A generation ago, Arizona voters chose to bar college students who are undocumented from receiving in-state tuition discounts. It came amid a rising climate of frustration about the southern border and a stalemate on immigration reforms. Today, Arizonans are still frustrated about the border and immigration laws haven't changed, but Arizona voters have. During the recent elections, voters approved Proposition 308, which allows undocumented students to pay for college at in-state tuition levels. A big win for supporters of Proposition 308. We won! We are very happy and very grateful to Arizona voters for making this true. <laughs> I'm unbelievably happy about this. It gives us the opportunity to pursue our career and we came at a young age. It wasn't our fault. And we want to keep studying. We want to um, give back to the community. Welcome to The Gaggle, a podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm your host, Ron Hansen. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. Today, we'll take a look at what Prop 308 means for those affected by it and why Arizona voters took a U-turn on this. Today, we'll examine just how Prop 308 will work and what it means for the future of our state. Joining us is Rafael Carranza, who covers immigration issues for the Republic. Rafael, welcome back to The Gaggle. Thank you so much for having me here once again. So help us walk through what this measure does, what it does not do that people should know. Yeah, so Proposition 308 will essentially, as you mentioned, allow undocumented students who have graduated from an Arizona high school and who have lived in the state for two years prior to pay the same tuition rate as their fellow college students who are legal residents or U.S. citizens. And that is a big change from a 2006 voter referendum that had barred undocumented students from a series of educational benefits. And so what Prop 308 does is that it essentially makes it a lot more accessible for these students to pay. Currently, undocumented students must pay 150% tuition rate at the universities and about 300% the rate at the community colleges. And so I think that it translates approximately for a student attending ASU or U of A, approximately $6,000 in savings per year. And so the idea behind it is, of course, to make it more accessible for people, for students, these students, to attend um, school because, you know, they've already been going to school here, a lot of them for most of their lives. And so it's seen as kind of a continuation of an investment in their education and having an educated workforce in the state. Do we have any idea how many folks this applies to or will expect to apply to in the near term? Um, the estimate is that there are approximately 2,000 students per year that this would benefit. This was kind of part of the consideration that was done. It won't have a big dramatic impact per se. But um, the idea is that, you know, these are individuals that are, for the most part, once they do have a college education, the vast majority of them are employed and they're employed in these careers that are seen as contributing quite a bit in Arizona's economy. And in fact, that's kind of one of the reasons that the proponents for Proposition 308 had to kind of put forward is that this would be a big economic impact for the state and for the state's economy. There was an analysis done by the Arizona Budget Legislative Committee, and it found that passing Prop 308 wouldn't necessarily have an impact on the budget. They did say that the tuition revenue that the universities and colleges would generate 
would decrease because they would be paying less in tuition. However, that would be offset by an anticipated increase in enrollment from undocumented students. There are also the longer term economic considerations. Has anyone given any thought to what the value to the state might be if they have, for example, a better educated workforce among the undocumented population here? There's been a couple studies and there's been kind of a, a series of different numbers that have been put forth. But the overall estimate that we've been seeing more of is that it's going to be in the millions and that, again, these are individuals that will be contributing in all of these careers and then generating, you know, tax revenue, sales revenues and whatnot. Um, and that the long-term economic impact would be in, in the millions of dollars. Are there limitations on who is eligible for the change in tuition costs? For this, um, it's a pretty open language um, in the sense that there isn't any sort of, you know, requirements other than being a graduate from an Arizona high school and then having lived in the state for two years prior. So, for example, that contrasts quite a bit with the Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, that has very much kind of like a shelf life, so to speak, or a cutoff line where if you arrived after 2007, you are not eligible for DACA and for the benefits that that brings forth. With this change to state law, it makes it so that anybody who has been going to school here for two years prior and who graduated uh, would be eligible to pay for that in-state rate. What about for those who have already started their college careers? Does this impact them in terms of what they will pay moving forward? Does it have any backward looking consequences for them in terms of tuition? It wouldn't have any sort of uh, kind of like backward impacts, but it will impact their ability to pay in-state tuition moving forward. In fact, I spoke to one of the students. Her name is Valeria Garcia. She is currently a student at ASU, and she had been campaigning very actively for this proposition because she would be directly impacted. And so the changes will go immediately into effect. So I think as soon as the spring semester uh, next year, essentially, these students, both the ones that are currently graduating from high school, as well as those who are currently enrolled, will be eligible to pay for that in-state rate. And not only that, but also under Proposition 308, they'll also be eligible to receive state-funded financial aid in the forms of scholarships and grants as well. And that previously was outlawed under the voter referendum that voters passed in 2006, that was called Prop 300. And we're going to get to that in a moment, but you've talked to some people who are directly affected by this. There is certainly the economic consequences, which you've outlined. Does this have any special meaning to them beyond that in terms of an acceptance or a feeling more fully a part of this state or this community? Absolutely. I mean, I think this is a, a big milestone for many of them and many of the students that I spoke to. And I think what the campaign in favor of Proposition 308 did is that they centered, you know, their experiences. They made it the focus of the campaign and in going out and knocking on doors and introducing, you know, people who would be benefited directly by this proposition to show like the real time impacts. And so the individuals that I spoke to that had been campaigning very actively to to have voters approve Prop 308, they see this as a big milestone because it does kind of just solidifies a bit of, you know, their experience as Arizona high school and now Arizona college students and having the ability to pay the same tuition rate as, you know, the people that they grew up and that they went to high school with. So definitely, um, you know, there is, you know, that component of a bit of acceptance. And Valeria Garcia, the student that I mentioned earlier, she mentioned that 
initially you know, for her experience, knowing that she was undocumented, she definitely felt that there was a lot of added pressure and a lot of added challenges that came with the idea of, you know, starting a college career or, or going to college. And I think as many of us, you know, may know, kind of starting it off college as it is, is a, is a big transition. And so when you have kind of the added hurdle of having to pay, you know, more tuition and whatnot, that kind of created even more stress. And so here's what she had to say about you know, that experience and what passing Prop 308 means for her. So I think citizens right now pay about 11 and something thousand, but dreamers pay around 17,000. So like 6,000 difference. And at the community college level is a 300% rate. So I know I was looking at it with my younger brother because he wanted to go to community college. But for citizens, it's like 80 something per credit. For dreamers, it's like 300 something. So it's definitely a lot. And, you know, we had to have the, the tough conversation with him that we probably won't be able to afford it. So my brother's also waiting for Prop 3 to pass. But every student should have the option of not like, if they don't want to go to college and if they do want to go to college, they should have that option. And it's just really important to me. So so I'm double majoring in political science and transborder studies. And I'm also planning on either getting my master's or going to law school. So Prop 308 would also help me a lot. Maybe the most striking thing about Prop 308 is the political environment. We just went through the midterms and this was an electorate as is usually the case in Arizona in a midterm cycle. It is Republican heavy. This year in particular, it was Republican heavy. And we're still battling over the border. But there seems to be a shift on what to do about a group of people that we've often referred to as dreamers and a circumstance they find themselves in that they have little to any control over. It seems like there's been a real evolution of thought on this, at least at the collective electorate level. What do you make of the political shift on this? The proponents of Prop 308 touted the sort of bipartisan consensus of bipartisan support for Dreamers and, uh, you know, leading to this election, even in the past few years, polling has consistently showed that Arizona voters and Americans in general, um, you know, have, you know, overwhelming support for Dreamers or for providing a sort of pathway for citizenship or some sort of legal status um, for these individuals. and. That uh, number has consistently kind of shown at, you know, two thirds of public support. And, you know, what was interesting about this proposition is that it really tightened, you know, significantly when it came down to counting the votes. And a large part of that from, you know, my conversations in my reporting is that they attribute that to sort of the anti-immigrant rhetoric, particularly the Republican candidates, you know, had deployed during this past campaign cycle, talking about an invasion and Certainly opponents of the measure felt that passing Prop 308 would encourage further illegal immigration. And that's one of the reasons they kind of actively campaigned against that. But I had the chance to speak to Bob Worsley. He is a former state lawmaker, I think more notoriously, I guess, remembered for unseating Russell Pierce, who was one of the leaders and thought during the anti-immigrant movement, which led to the proposition of Prop 300 back in 2006. He's the current co-chair of the American Business Immigrant Coalition, who helped organize the coalition in support of Proposition 308. And he was telling me that he felt that rhetoric had such a drastic impact, particularly among Republican voters, that he saw that as the reason why it went from, you know, two thirds of support to the public to now having this proposition passed by just a very slim majority, 51 to 49 of the votes. What have the opponents of this measure said 
both in the run-up to the election and in the days since, is there a sense of finality around this issue, or do they think that there's going to be another uh, attempt to go back in the other direction on this now? Is, is this resolved in their minds? Um, that is a good question, and I think that that is uh, something that I think will be better left uh, you know, resolved in, in the future. But certainly the reasons why they had campaigned against that not only was because they're feeling that it further encourages illegal immigration, but they also pointed to the fact that this doesn't really address the legal status of dreamers or undocumented students. And to your question about, you know, finality, um, you know, I think that that's something that they also pointed to as well. Until there is a permanent solution at the federal level, it's very hard to say what's going to happen. Certainly, what we've seen this year is that voters decided to overturn the Proposition 300, the voter referendum from 2006. And so, you know, unless there is federal protections, um, there is at least a, a possibility that it could happen again. This could be reversed farther down the line. If Arizonans have found an accommodation for the undocumented who attend college, is there any sign of a broader consensus on border and immigration-related matters, perhaps at the state level or at the federal level? I think that's what a lot of the proponents of Proposition 308 have referenced, the fact that there is support for this and that this did pass with bipartisan support. And it remains to be seen the exact breakdowns, but as of now, the estimates are that, you know, no surprise, Democrats voted overwhelmingly in favor of Proposition 308. Independents were a little more split, about 57% voted for it, according to the Yes on 308 campaign. And among Republicans, it was 27% of Republican voters who voted for it. So the overwhelming majority of Republicans were against it. But still, I think the fact that there was about a third of Republican voters, they point to that as, you know, signs of progress and them seeing a potential groundwork at the federal level in Arizona, particularly always being a bellwether of immigration trends, uh, potentially signifying that this could be replicated at the national level with federal legislation, whether for dreamers or for, you know, farm workers or just immigration reform in general, which has proved so elusive. And there's been a big push, particularly with this session, now that you're going to have Republicans taking over control of the House. A lot of the advocates see this as kind of the last opportunity to pass some sort of legislation, even if it is very specific targeting, for example, dreamers or farm workers. They're really pushing for that at this moment and really seeing what happened here in Arizona as a sign that with bipartisan support, it can happen. With Arizona passing this, it really marks not just a reversal for Arizona voters, but it also puts us more in line with other states in some ways. Who has taken similar action? Who has not? Yeah. So I think that with the question of in-state tuition, Arizona becomes now the 23rd state in the United States who does offer undocumented students kind of broadly access to in-state tuition. And um, there is a surprising mix. I think some of the states that you would think would offer these protections, no surprise, you know, like California, Massachusetts, some of these more liberal enclaves. But there are other states, for example, like Florida, who also offer um, you know, similar protections or benefits for, for undocumented students as well. But that still leaves about half of the other states who have some sort of mix. Um, a lot of them 
make it conditional on having DACA or some other sort of status um, for them to access in-state tuition. But there's still you know, about a dozen or so who have no protections whatsoever for undocumented students. Rafael, thanks for coming on the show and walking us through all of this. If people want to follow your work on Twitter, where can they find you? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, my account is at R-A-F-A-E-L-C-A-R-R-A-N-Z-A. That is it for today, Gaggle listeners. Remember to submit your Arizona politics questions to us at 602-444-0804 and at thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com. That's one word all spelled out. And don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Kaylee Monahan. You can follow her at Kaylee Monahan. That's K-A-E-L-Y-M-O-N-A-H-A-N. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week. Thank you.